I calculated this a few weeks ago, but I was traveling for in total seven months out of the year. <laughs> so, and I, I probably expect to do the same this year. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? It's Brad from House Hacking Success, and today I want to talk to you about my absolute favorite real estate app, which is Landlordy. If you're anything like me, you're an action taker and a doer, which means that administrative work gets in the way of our progress. I am horrible at keeping track of receipts, keeping track of the safety checks I need to do and routine checkups on my properties and keeping tabs on my tenants and the lease renewals and keeping tabs where my leases are. And Landlordy is an absolute lifesaver for me. With Landlordy, you can manage information about your properties, your tenants, keep contact information and documents easily accessible at your fingertips, no matter where you are in the world. If you're a traveler like I am, you can find this information on the beach and get the information to the people that need it. You can track your expenses in seconds, keep them organized, use device camera to add expense receipts in seconds, which is absolutely amazing. Landlordy will remind you on your landlord duties like late rent payments, upcoming lease renewals, or appliance safety checks. Manage your business on the road or from the beach. Keep your rental business and related documents a few touches away day or night with Landlordy. Start managing your rental business on your iPhone or iPad. Go to landlordy.com forward slash house hacking for 30% off Landlordy Plus, which is absolutely amazing. I personally use it. Go there today for house hacking success listeners only. Welcome to House Hacking Success. Today we have Brooke on the show. Brooke, we're thrilled you're here. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background before real estate and in marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. So in terms of my general background, um, I'm one of those rare cases where what I studied at university, I ended up doing professionally. So for me, that is marketing. Uh, so after my four-year degree, I started working at a marketing agency and I've been in the marketing agency world for about five years now, and I'm doing my first house hack as of a couple of years ago. Awesome. So uh, could you tell me about that first house hack? Uh, how'd you end up finding it and how'd you finance it? Yeah, sure. So quick summary. Um, so I've been living in my first house hack since spring of 2018, and the property is located in Providence, Rhode Island. It's a three-unit multifamily. So I live in one of the units and I rent out the other two. And uh, I use my apartment as a home base while I travel. Um, and in terms of how I found the property, all of the credit for <laughs> finding the property goes to my realtor. Um, in fact, I was out of the country traveling in Guatemala when my realtor messaged me about the property. Uh, I, I put a bid in. It was my first bid ever on a property. <laughs> Uh, the sellers countered the next day. We came back with the same bid and it got accepted. That's great. Is that a single family property? It's uh, three units. Okay. Awesome. And uh, how did you find the confidence to just jump into that and start house hacking and, you know, buy a house? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's part feeling like I had enough information and then also just just understanding that if I wanted to make it happen, I, I had to just make a move um, instead of waiting around for like maybe the perfect time or the perfect deal, which 
you know, the perfect time doesn't really ever come around. Um, right. And I, I did really trust my realtor. He, he was incredible, took photos, videos at the showing. Um, and more importantly, I knew the neighborhood extremely well. Uh, so I knew it was a good neighborhood with quality tenants because I used to live there. Uh, in fact, I can see my old bedroom from my current kitchen where I now live. Yeah. So I love your point on not waiting around to look for the perfect deal. It's something we really try to drive down on this podcast. Um, Cause if you do wait around, there's a lot of opportunity costs there because you could wait, you know, eight months a year. And in that time you could have already been house hacking and saving on your living expenses. Um, so so you made that offer from a different country, like you said. What was that like? You said that you were familiar with the area. So was that what gave you confidence in making that offer while you were outside of the States? Absolutely. I think it was it was two-pronged. So like I said, I the house hack, the property that I ended up closing on was right around the corner from where I used to rent. So I understood the neighborhood very well, understood what the rents were and what I, what I could bring them, potentially bring them up to. Um, and then also just trust in my realtor. He's also my good friend, um, and knows the area, lives in the area. So it was, it was a perfect combination of like having enough information and, um, just trusting that this was the right opportunity for me. Awesome. That's a great example of just finding the right people. Uh, to help you out, like uh, having a good realtor and just taking action. Um, so now you invest 50% of your income each month and you travel and live remotely. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what you invest in? Yeah, definitely. So it sounds boring, but it works. <laughs> um, after I built up an emergency fund and savings, which I always like to have just in case, um, and do all the boring things like fully funding my IRA and my 401k to employer match, you know, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I dump the rest into low cost index funds um, because it's incredibly simple and it's, it's more effective than other strategies, say like trying to pick individual stocks or um, something else like that. And I do feel a bit more diversified just owning at least one property at this time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a book that I read uh, called a simple path to wealth. And it talked a lot about investing in those index funds. Yeah, uh, Jim Collins, right? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. It, it really opened my mind on, you know, how much that can really grow over the years, and how it actually is a simple path to wealth as long as you're consistently contributing. Um, so, how has house hacking helped you live remotely and continue your marketing career? Sure. So, I think a, a big part of it for me is, is freedom. So I don't feel, I don't feel really stressed about work. Uh, work is a lot less stressful when you don't have, when you don't like need the job. Mm -hmm. um, so I, if I really needed to, I could cut my expenses and live on like a thousand dollars a month, which I could easily make freelancing or something like that. So it's just like nice to keep in my back pocket. Right. It's funny that you brought up Simple Path to Wealth because um, the author, he talks about uh, FU money. So it basically yeah. means like having enough um, like financial freedom where if you like right now, I'm lucky because I love my job. But if I woke up, you know, six months, 12 months from now and decided that um, I wasn't really feeling it anymore, I could I could just quit and make a change in my career or, you know, 
um, freelance or something like that, whatever I wanted to do. So it's, it's definitely played a huge role in me being able to live remotely and uh, continue my career however I want to. That's really inspiring. We hear a lot about um, people who start house hacking and they'll leave their job and move to a job that's more meaningful to them. And they're able to do that even if it's less pay just because they cut their living expenses and you're doing the same thing and you don't have to live in fear of losing your job, which is amazing. And, you know, we don't want anyone to have to live in that fear. Absolutely. So how has your journey evolved into chasing financial independence? For me, um, for me, it started more with my goals around building my ideal lifestyle, uh, which evolved into financial independence because I view money as just a tool for creating the life that I want. And this led me to house hacking because, uh, as you probably are familiar with, on average, Americans spend around 30% of their income on housing. So I thought that, you know, if I could eliminate this expense, that's 30% more that I can invest and build up a nice nest egg and just give me more, more room to create whatever it is that I want in my life. That's awesome. Um, so I know you have an amazing budget template. Uh, it's available online for free. Um, I'll put a link for our listeners in the description so they can go and download it. But could you tell us about it and why budgeting is so important? Sure. Uh, the funny thing is that I don't like budgeting <laughs> and most people struggle with it or at least struggle with staying consistent with it. So the template that I personally use and I share with anyone who asks is it's more a method of uh tracking your average expenses. So uh, with the template, you can kind of figure out, okay, over the past three to six months, as long as you've been in a more or less stable like living environment and expenses, you can kind of calculate, here's what my average expenses are, um, and here's what my monthly income is. Um, and then it also has a section where you can calculate uh, out of your different investment groups or like your savings buckets, for like your big savings goals, here's how much I have to allocate based on these average monthly expenses. So it's not something that you necessarily have to do every month. If it helps you, um, what I'll do is like I'll I'll clone the monthly expense tracker tab and I'll I'll put it in. Um, but usually, I say like you only really have to do this if you have a big life change. So let's say like you're changing jobs and it's a much different income, um, or you start house hacking and it lowers your expenses something like that, then you could kind of reassess what your monthly expenses are um, and that can help inform what your investments are. And then with your investments and your savings goals, I always recommend automating it because it's really easy, whether you invest with Vanguard or any of the other uh, like investment mutual fund firms, then it's super easy to just automate that every month from your paycheck right into the fund. And then also with your obviously retirement accounts and 401ks. Okay. For our listeners, how would you go about automating that process? Um, so it depends what you're doing. Your 401k obviously gets taken right out of your paycheck, right? So mm -hmm. that's usually the first chunk to go. Um, and then I know, so I personally use Vanguard, um, but I think really any account that you use, you can just sign in and they have a way that you can just automatically move money from your checking account and your bank into the investment fund and it'll purchase however many shares are equal to you know, $300, okay. whatever it is. Yeah, very cool. So a lot of how we can automate our monthly bills and expenses. You can do the same thing with your investments. 
So that template sounds amazing. Uh, I think everyone should really go take a look at that. And it's cool. Like you said, you only have to do it once. So it's not like a, a, a tedious, daunting task on you. It just helps you see what your expenses are and gives you a really good idea of where your money's going and where it could go. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to track every coffee. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a really tedious task if you don't want to do that. So um, how do you choose to pri- prioritize your spending in a consumer-based culture? Absolutely. So I really enjoy traveling and that's something that I prioritize with my spending. It's different for everyone. So like someone else, it, it might be a different category, but for me, that's travel. Um, I, I probably spend some months between like 15 to 30% of my income on travel, depending on where I am, what I'm doing that month. Um, so that's definitely my largest bucket and partly why I started house hacking to give me the opportunity to do that. So as far as traveling goes, um, how frequently are you traveling? Yeah. So last year I, I calculated this a few weeks ago, but I was traveling for in total seven months out of the year. (laughs) So, and I I probably expect to do the same this year. Um, And for me, because I'm working full-time remotely for an agency, I like to stay in one place for typically four weeks at a time. Uh, It really cuts down on the time that you have to spend moving from location to location. Um, And you're able to get more comfortable. I really like to make connections with um, other people who are working remotely from the same city. Um, Mm -hmm. I've created lifelong friendships through working in different places and meeting people at events, co-work spaces and things like that. So um, more like the slow travel is more of my style. That's amazing that house hacking has empowered you to be able to do that. Um, as far as managing your property, when you're traveling, have you seen any challenges uh, with dealing with tenants or maybe fixes that come up and any advice that you could give to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I've certainly had my share of things that have happened <laughs> gone. Uh, so for, I guess, for example, I was in Ireland maybe I think it was last January and I got a text from my tenant saying that uh, the basement was flooding essentially. So I knew right away it was a water heater that had broke. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have a, a two contractors who I have just a good relationship with. So I can just give them a call and they know if it's high priority or not. Um, They'll get back to me within, you know, usually within 15 minutes. Um, and let me know like when they'll be heading over. In this case, he was able to get there right away and assess the situation, fix the water heater, um, and I just paid him electronically. So I, I didn't really need to be there, even if I had been there. Yeah. <laughs> I would have I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Call my contractor. Um, I also have a a Google Doc that I share with all of my tenants that has uh, like emergency contact information. So it's it's kind of like if there's flooding in the basement, like contact this contractor and here's his name and number um, and notify me, but feel free if it's emergency to call this contractor. That's a great idea. Um, so they can get on top of that right away. Cause if you're unavailable, you know, I might not be fixed right away or you might not be able to reach out to that contractor right away. So th- that's really cool. I mean, you're, 
across the world and you're still able to manage this rental property no problem just by having these contractors on speed dial essentially yes yeah exactly awesome um so there's a term slow travel uh could you explain what that is and how you have incorporated it into your journey sure so to me anyway slow travel is instead of planning kind of like the quintessential say like European vacation where you're going from city to city like three days here three days here two days here um it's it's more like you're you're renting an apartment and you're staying in one place for maybe four weeks at a time or more um that's my personal definition of it I'm sure other people have uh, other definitions but um to me that's how I see it it's like I said it's a lot more conducive to working remotely full-time um, maybe if I, in the future, if I were to take a sabbatical, maybe it would be a little bit quicker if I weren't, you know, working full time, but, um, it's really worked incorporating that style of travel into my journey. That must give you a lot of time to, you know, adventure into the area too and see more things. Yeah. And I, I always make the, the best connections when I'm staying in one place for longer. Um, like I've met people who I now talk to like every week and they just, they live in a different country and, um, it's nice because I can now return to countries and cities that I've really enjoyed and mm-hmm. have these connections there. Yeah. And you might even have a place to stay potentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. So, uh, how do you plan your trips? Uh, that really depends on what I want to do. Um, sometimes there's a, something specific that I wanted to experience. So, uh, for example, this past October, uh, I'd always wanted to uh, go to Mexico for Day of the Dead. And uh, I was able to do that in October. I went to Mexico City for five weeks. Uh, so that was really cool. So if there's a specific holiday or cultural uh, thing that I always wanted to experience, sometimes I'll plan a trip around that. Or um, if I have like a friend who lives in a different country or something like that, um, it'll, it's really nice to work that into my, my trip and say, okay, I'm going to go to Ireland for this month and I'll spend a week visiting this person. What's your favorite place that you've traveled to? That's a really hard question. Um, however, (laughs) I think I would have to say, uh, Guatemala. I was there for a month and I was fortunate enough to travel with one of my coworkers who's my really good friend. And we just had the best time working and we worked out of Antigua, Guatemala, which is it's kind of like its own little bubble. Um, it's got like these beautiful cobblestone streets and um, awesome restaurants and cafes to work from um, and really friendly people. And we had some incredible weekend trips where uh, we went to some different destinations and a lot of it was around nature and being outside and you're kind of surrounded by these gorgeous volcanoes. So that's probably one of my favorite places that uh, I'll plan on coming back to. Oh, yeah. That sounds beautiful. Um, so, you know, you have an amazing lifestyle, uh, being able to travel as much as you do, uh, work remotely. Um, with that in mind, what are your long-term goals? Yes, absolutely. So for me, it's it's really around just creating more freedom, um, more location freedom, more time freedom. Um, and continuing with my freedom to 
kind of be wherever it is that I want in the world. Um, and I think eventually I would love to uh, work out a situation where I'm working less than maybe a full-time job. And that might be sooner or later. I'm not entirely sure yet, but I know that that's in some of my longer term plans is to probably work less than a 40 hour work week and, um, you know, see how I can construct more of that financial freedom and, and time freedom. Yeah. I think that's a goal of a lot of our listeners too. And, and it's just amazing. Like how fast you can actually get there if you're living well below your means and you have a massive savings rate, um, house hacking, investing and all that. And I'm sure there's no doubt that you'll get there pretty soon. Uh, what would you say separates potential house hackers from those who are actually out there house hacking, buying the properties and actually doing it? Oh, that's, that's such a good question. I think that if you are really clear about what your values are and what your personal long-term goals are, um, I think the people who have a really clear vision of five years from now, 10 years from now, this is how I want to feel. This is what I want my life to look like. I think it's those people who have the, uh, the, the plans and the goals to turn that into action because they have such a clear picture of what they want their life to look like. Awesome. Uh, one question I like to ask people about that, because there's always like an initial fear of getting that first property and worrying about the things that could go wrong. And, you know, we hear all the landlord horror stories and, and, and things like that. Um, do you think that people kind of just have to deal with that fear and just move forward anyways? Or do you think there's ways that they could mitigate that fear? I say a little bit, I think a little bit of both. Educating yourself on what could go wrong is important, but at the same time, you if you're going to do it and it helps you get closer to your goals, it's just it's one of those steps that that will propel you forward. Um, but also, if you outline, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen, and here's what my actions will be to either mitigate this, or if that does happen, here's what I'll do. Um, I think that that can help people create the confidence to move forward if they if they have like a worst case scenario plan. That's a great point. Um, there's always probably going to be a little bit of fear there, especially when you're moving towards something so what well, seems so big and it's such a big lifestyle change. But I, I love your point on educating yourself, uh, learning about it and, you know, figuring out the right way to do things. Um, so we we like to read. Uh, we love books. We talk about books a lot on the show. Uh, do you have a favorite mindset or business book? Um, let's see. So I, I have a lot of favorite books. <laughs> um, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, I was going back to like the first book that I read about real estate. <laughs> so if that's helpful for anyone, uh, my friend let me, lent me this book called Investing in Duplexes, Triplexes, and Quads, The Fastest and Safest Way to Real Estate Wealth. I think it's by, I think the author's last name is Loftus. Um, it's a little bit dry, but it really lays out how multifamily investing works. And it's got some really good tips, especially for newbies. So if you're thinking about getting into house hacking, I feel like that would be a really good read. It was one of my, the first, uh, first actual books that I read on real estate. Awesome. Would you consider that your favorite real estate book too? I don't know. Honestly, I don't read very many real estate books. <laughs> well, what what about like uh, maybe some other resources like online resources, um, YouTube podcasts? Is there any 
anyone in particular that you follow that you've learned a lot from? Yes. So uh, my friends run the Cashflow Kings podcast. It's all around real estate investing. And they have everything from house hackers, um, including myself, on the podcast, all the way up to people who own like hundreds of units and they do real estate syndication. So it really gives you like a, a broad scope of what the opportunities are within real estate. Awesome. That sounds like a great resource. Uh, I've heard of the podcast myself and awesome. there, there's a lot of topics on there. Um, so we really appreciate you coming onto the show. Uh, it's a really good episode. You have an inspiring story. I think it's so amazing how you're able to travel so much and how you just took that leap into house hacking and you just committed and you found a job where you can work remotely and it allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Um, before we go, uh, where could our listeners find more about you? Instagram is probably the best place. So I'm at money life mentor. Okay. Awesome. We'll link that into the description. Uh, we're going to link your template in there. I'm going to encourage people to go in there fill that out, uh, figure out where your money's going and awesome. how you can budget. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you could do me a huge favor and go give us a five-star rating on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. It would really help us out. If we provided any value, please go do that. Otherwise, there's a lot of people who haven't subscribed. So go ahead and go subscribe and you'll get notifications when a new podcast episode is released. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day.